Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. loved this series so far as we've been in the last four weeks of Psalms and we've been jumping around sampling the different types of Psalms. One of the things that Derek said in week one that I really uh, just uh, took to heart visually was this idea that the Psalms were the songs of Jesus. This was the soundtrack that he had in his ears. And so I've kind of taken that to heart. I've been wanting to kind of make sure I've been listening to the Psalms. Little did I know I was actually doing this about five months ago. I had an opportunity to go skiing, which I don't often get to do, but I was skiing and I had the headphones in and I was listening to the Psalms and I was enjoying the mountain views and also the message of just what Shane and Shane and some of the stuff that they did in the Psalms that was so good to me. And, and, and I had that in my ears and I would spend some time uh, on the ski lift sharing my faith with strangers and skiing and having all, a blast. And man, I'm telling you, I was having a very good, great week of worship. And, uh, and now I've, uh, uh, when I go skiing, uh, when I, I usually, my goal is basically like, don't be an idiot, try not to fall. Like that's kind of my goal, right? Remember your age. You're 44, uh, don't go fast, stay out of the trees, and for heaven's sakes, don't jump. But um, I'm telling you, man, I was having a great week of worship. And so, you know, the, the tempo started to pick up on the ski slopes. I was by myself and I was starting to move a little faster. And uh, I noticed some trails off through the trees that I kind of liked. And so I kind of did that for a little bit. And then it happened. I took a jump and I landed that baby. And it was amazing. And I didn't feel like 44 in that moment. I felt like 16 again. And so a few hours later, I took that same jump. The next day, I took that jump for a third time. And like, just, just so you have a picture in your mind, this is what I would feel like was doing. Look at me. <laughs> now, I was probably about that far off the ground, but keep, you know, if you, that's what you want to think, I'd appreciate that. But uh, on jump number four, my right knee said, you're 44 and no thank you. And... Um, Fast forward to a couple weeks ago, I had surgery on my ACL thanks to that fourth jump. Throw in a little side of kidney stones at the end of July. And let's just say the soundtrack that's been playing in my ear has been a little bit different the last couple of weeks. And so we got a stool nearby in case my knee acts up a little bit. And if the kidney stones act up, well... Derek, you still over there? Okay, you'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring him up if we need to. But uh, it's just this picture. And look, in the grand scheme of life, ACL surgery and kidney stones, generally, I'm like, that, that's hard at, at some level, but I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. But I do think it, it, it kind of begs the question of what soundtrack can we sing? What soundtrack can we have in our ear when all is not well? Or maybe to take it a step further, one, two, or three steps further, what soundtrack can we play when nothing is going well? What soundtrack can we turn to when it feels like we've lost our purpose for living? And that the waves of grief and sorrow and pain and anger, they just don't seem to be close to stopping anytime soon. Is there a song that we can sing? Is there a song that we can sing when the, the soundtrack in, our, in a moment just changes? Or is there a soundtrack that we can use to replace the same pain-filled soundtrack that's been running through our ears for years 
or decades or maybe even longer? Is there such a song that we can turn to? Or does God just want us to like put on a brave stoic face, suck it up and keep walking around telling everyone that we're fine and everything's gonna be okay when deep down we know that nothing is currently okay? Is this what God wants for us? Is this veneer? And I want to help you with that answer this morning is the answer is absolutely no. God doesn't want us to put on this veneer. In fact, God in this book is going to give us language that we can use. He's going to give us songs that we can listen to when we turn to and meet these moments And a lot of what these places, a lot of these places that he's given us are what are called the lament psalms. And these psalms give us functional, tangible language that you and I can read with our eyes and it can connect with our heart. And they can even be words that we use out of our own mouths in order to turn back to God, pour out our hearts to him, expressing our deep, passionate feelings, our hurt feelings, our sorrowful. And we turn those back to him as we face the sin and struggles that continue to just come after us. Now, there are a lot of lament psalms that we could look at today. In fact, I even think that's a little instructive. Do you know out of the 150 psalms, almost a third of them are categorized as lament psalms? Almost 50 psalms in your Bible are these these words that are filled with emotion, filled with grief and passion and sorrow and tons of questions directed at God. Almost 50 of them right here. It's like the same God that promises us in this lifetime we will have trouble is good enough to give us ample places where we can run to in his words to find words for when that trouble hits or that trouble persists. And so this morning we're going to be in Psalm 77. Uh, And let me give you two kind of outlines real quick that just kind of two big ideas. And one is the definition of biblical lament. This is a a longer definition. So if you need to take a picture of it, that's helpful for you, then do it. But let me read you this definition of biblical lament. Biblical lament is genuine expression towards God of deep personal feelings such as grief, sorrow, hurt, fear, or anger toward the sin and struggles we face. And we're gonna see that in Psalm 77. And yet, these expressions ultimately lead to heartfelt praise, glorifying God's character even amidst the pain. We're also gonna see that in Psalm 77. Biblical lament, genuine expression towards God of genuine feelings, honest feelings that we have towards all that we face here, our own sin, the sin of others, and struggles here. And at the same time, letting these genuine expressions ultimately lead us to heartfelt praise, glorifying God's character. That's one. And then let me give you the big idea for today. Let me simplify the language a little bit. As we wrestle with God's character amidst all this grief and sorrow that exists, and we wrestle with, are the future, are the promises actually true? Are you going to do what you say you're going to do, God? Here's the big idea. The way to trust God's character today And in his future promises is to remember his former mercies. The way to trust God's character today in his future promises is to remember his former mercies. And so with that in mind, let's read Psalm 77 together. And let's jump into verse one. We'll read all 20 verses. And as we look, you can see maybe that definition play out. And maybe begin to ask yourself, what changes 
What's the pivot and why the pivot in this Psalm? Let's read it together. Psalm 77, verse one, a Psalm of Asaph says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. And when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids opened. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. And then my spirit made a diligent church. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and, med- and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world and the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. And yet your footprints were unseen. And you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. An errand. Psalm 77, it's a psalm of Asaph, scripture tells us. And uh, I just before we jump in, I think it's worth uh, trying to guess, man, who was Asaph? Right, scripture gives us a little glimpse, uh, tells us in a couple of different places that Asaph was one of the chief musicians in, the, uh, in King David's Israel's time. Which means, I think it's safe to say that this was a guy that knew God well and he helped lead other people to know God well. So this isn't just a young believer. This isn't not a random person having a bad day. This is a seasoned saint asking hard questions to a God that he really loves. And it's this reminder that all the Psalms are written by seasoned saints. And I think that gives all of us permission in the room, wherever we are in our walks, even if we've been following Jesus for a long time, we can also ask hard questions of a God that we love. And we can lean in with the real wrestlings that we have and the real struggles that we have. And I think as we can just even model Asaph here and look at his example for us, I think it can even show us that it is an act of faith to trust God with these deep, hard, honest feelings that sometimes we have. And so we don't have to compartmentalize them off and go, well, God's word can't explain that or we're not, I'm not gonna understand this, so I'm just gonna put this away and not let anyone get into those recesses. Now, we don't know what sent Asaph into this lament, but I can tell you, uh, I know that there are lots of things in my own journey that I still lament. There's a handful that I just put up on the side that, that I'm still just wrestling with today. This is just a short list that I have. You can see some of my own sin struggles up there. You can see I put up there just last August, my mom got diagnosed with cancer, my seven-year-old mom. And so 
I lost her in, in, in October. And so August has kind of triggered a little bit of lament. There was some unreconciled work that I still hoped I would have had time to do with my mom. We had accomplished a lot. And yet I still had hoped we had had more time. And so there's a lament that still happens about missing some of that. You can see some of my other ones up there. And look, I know in a room this size, it's easy to go, man, some of these, I'm almost I'm like, man, that's nothing compared to what's in, represented in this room. I know that this list gets really long for some of us. Any number of just moments of betrayal might be up there. Betrayal maybe by a spouse, maybe a prodigal child that you're waiting to come home. You may be waiting to have children. You may be waiting to have a spouse. You may be waiting for any number of other things that have caused grief. It's hard. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe you have church hurt in your past. Maybe a father wounds. Maybe you never got to meet your father. It could be any number of other things. There's so much in this life because in this life we will have trouble and there is much in the reality of life in a post-Genesis 3 world that we as that we have to begin to deal with. Life is hard. It punches us in the mouth. And so what can we do? How can we stay in the fight, so to speak? Let's return to the text in verses one through five. Watch where Asaph begins and watch where he kind of ebbs and flows. It says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. And we're like, way to go, Asaph. It looks like he's kind of trending in the right direction. But then verse two, my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan, my spirit faints. He's like in this tussle fighting for joy. And at first he kind of reaches out and then he ebbs back down to like, man, I, I, I'm not even sure I want you right now, God. You're the God that's maybe causing me problems. Look in verse four. He says, it's almost like he points to God. You hold my eyelids open right now. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I am sleepless and speechless, Lord, right now because of what you, you're doing to me. You're causing this to me. This is Asaph being honest, ebbing and flowing, looking to fight for joy. But then he turns again, verse five. I considered the days of old, the years long ago. Ebb and flow, fighting for joy, trying to stay in the fight. I think that's one of the most instructive things from the first five verses that we can see is it doesn't look pretty all the time. And sometimes it's a little bit of a roller coaster, but a faithful biblical lament, man, you stay in there and you fight. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you're like, God, I, I, not right now, Lord. But you stay in the fight and you fight to kind of remember and hold on. Or maybe part of the faithful lament is having a place to turn to, to acknowledge, man, I got no fight left in me. And if that's you, I just want to say, we want to be that place for you. We want to be a people for you that can be, uh, that can help. Just like, if you just need to acknowledge, I, I don't have anything left in me. We want to come around you. Verse six, amidst the pain and the trial, Asaph says this, I said, let me remember my song in the night. Starting to steal his joy, trying, or trying to kind of steal his heart to go, let's go, Lord, I can do this. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. I want to remember my song in the night. I want to remember my song in the night. I loved how Spurgeon says it. Spurgeon says, any man can sing in the daytime. It's easy to sing when the notes are just got, got a big spotlight and daylight rains in on them. But he is the skillful singer who can sing when there is not a ray of light by which to read. Anyone can sing in the day, 
but he is the skillful singer who sings when there is not a ray of light by which to read the notes. This is what Asaph is trying to stir up in him is like, Lord, right now it's mid the midnight hour. I don't understand if, I, I, I trust that maybe morning's coming, but I need to sing right now. And Asaph kind of starts to steal his heart going, I can do this. One of the things I love to do when we worship together, when we sing songs together, and you'll, sometimes you'll see me, I'll be down front over here, but I start to kind of look out amongst you. And my heart is strengthened by the skillful singers that I see in this room. I see people in this room that are dealing with job loss and financial hardship, and yet I see you still singing. And it spurs my heart on. I know some of you have chronic illness, chronic pain that you've been battling for years, if not decades, and yet I still see you sing with a joy on your face that, that makes no sense apart from Jesus Christ reigning deep in you. And it spurs my heart on to watch you. I know some of you have had gone through deep pain, deep betrayal, and you're like, God, Lord, you could have stopped that. And yet here I am facing the pain of all of that in my life. And yet with tears running down my face, I will raise my hands and I will worship you. And I know there's many in here in this room, many, unfortunately, just deep pains of a variety of kinds. Just some, I even had some friends just this past week that buried their hours old baby. And that story is way too common, even in our room. It's been four instances just this year of that happening. I know there are many in here that have buried children, some hours old, some years old, some have happened just in the last year, some it's been decades ago and the pain is still real. And the lament is still ever present and there's questions and there's concerns and there's like, God, where were you moments? And yet you keep singing and it spurs my heart on. And so thank you, friends, for many of your skillful singing here, even in the midnight. And I just wanna encourage you, keep singing. And others are listening to you and they're spurred on. I think one of my favorite instances of God's people singing in the night is... Uh, is when Christ did it in Matthew 26, 30. As best I know, there's only one instance of Christ being recorded as singing a hymn. And it's recorded in Matthew 26, 30. And if you're familiar with what's happening in that moment, Jesus is leaving the last supper. He's on his way to the Gethsemane, Gethsemane and he's on his way to Golgotha. And yet it says in that moment that him and the disciples stopped and they sang a hymn. On the way to the cross at nighttime, as Jesus sang a song, most likely a psalm, maybe even Psalm 118. You can go take a look and see, maybe, I don't know. But he stopped and he sang. Almost as if to say all the sin and all the struggles, this is what I've come to do. This is what I've come to die for. And this is what I've come to conquer and put an end to it once and for all. And Jesus sang in the night, as an example for us. And so the psalmist, he keeps his going. It seems like he's trending in a good direction. But if you'll notice those last, those last three verses, Psalms 7, 8, and 9, or the next three verses, there's six questions, rapid fire succession, right directed, right at the Lord. And before we read them together, I, I want to re remind you about Exodus 34, another mountaintop moment in man's lifetime. This time it was a mountaintop moment for, for Moses atop Sinai. 
And he had a mountaintop moment where he was getting to meet God and God was revealing himself in a most unique way to Moses in that moment and ultimately to Israel. And in that moment, God tells him in Exodus 34, six and seven, God says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is who I am, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. This is who I am, God says. Now look at these questions that Asaph has. And Asaph is gonna go, really God, is that who you are? I'm not so sure. He goes, will the Lord spurn forever? Verse seven, Psalm 77, and never again be favorable. You said there's gonna be steadfast love for thousands, but has that ceased? Has that forever ceased? Are your promises in that and in for all time? You told us up on the mountain that you were gracious and merciful. Have you forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? I mean, Asaph just goes right at God going, are you sure? Is this you? I don't see it right now. I don't feel it right now. And then notice it, it is, it's Selah. He just rests there. He pauses for a second and it's like almost uncomfortable, isn't it? It's like, no, 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 Asaph, I have the answers. I literally have like some like cross references in my Bible. I know the answers, Asaph. It's like, no, I'm resting right here for a second. We say all the time, the no amount of scrutiny affects the truth and the character of who our God is. And God's just like, bring your questions. If you've got some accusations, I can handle those too. Bring your resentments, bring your frustrations. I, I know you have them. You don't do me any favors by compartmentalizing them and stuffing them down. You speak them, speak them to me. I can handle it. So City Bridge, we, it's so instructive, right? Because we can look at these questions and I wanna remind you, these are questions that are, that this is what we would say, holy inspired scripture right here. These are like divinely authorized questions that when we reach our wits end, when we reach our moments, where we're like, what are you up to God? God's like, ask me these questions. Go right for the heart of my character. I can handle it and I can take it. And I'll let you beat on my chest. And I'll still be there once you're done firing away. And so City Bridge, ask your questions. God, where were you in that moment? Why did you let that thing happen to me? Where were you? Ask that question. Why'd you let that thing befall me? You could have done something about it. You could have stopped it, but you chose not to stop it. You stopped it for that person, why not me? Ask your question. I've sat with so many friends and I'm so glad they've asked this question that are struggling with like infertility or miscarriage. They're like, man, my womb is ready. I, I want to steward a child so that it might grow up. I'll raise it up. I'll train it up in the Lord so that it might praise and bring honor to his name. And yet why Lord, why not me? You've given children to others that don't want to steward them. Well, why not me? Ask your questions. Maybe you go, look, Lord, where's the abundant life? You, you, Jesus, you said you've come to give life and life abundantly. Where is that abundant life? I don't feel it. I don't see it right now. Ask that 
question. Thought you were the good shepherd. Ask that question. God formed your lips. He knows your thoughts. This is Psalm 139. He knows your frame. Your thoughts and your questions aren't gonna surprise him. And so if anything, it's helped for you to get the, I don't know, maybe it's poison for you. Maybe it's just these fresh wound. Go address the wound. And a lot of times God gives us his people to surround us so that we can ask those questions of God's people. And, and, and the reality is some of us, uh, we may not have the answers for you, but we'd love to sit with you as you ask the questions and wrestle with you and we'll say law with you. Verse 10 God says then, or Asaph says, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years or, or the right hand of the most high. You might see a footnote that says, this is my grief, that the right hand of the most high has changed. He's literally going, I'm actually nervous. That, you might see that footnote in there that he's actually thinking, Lord, I think you may have changed. Have you changed? He's starting to doubt God's character in this moment. And what did we say? When you begin if you wanna trust God's character today, when you wanna trust in his future promises tomorrow, what do we need to do? Remember his former mercies. And so that's what Asaph is about to do. We just watched Asaph share his honest feelings and all of his frustrations. And now part two of our lament definition. Yet these expressions ultimately lead to heartfelt praise, glorifying God's character amidst the pain. Now I'm about to give you four observations from verses 11 through 20 and, 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 and some of our tendency might be to go, okay, so that's how I need to do faithful lament, A, B, C, D, and, and that will give me some desired result in the future. And I'm just saying, man, personal lament, there's, there's no just perfect formula to it. And oftentimes the outcome here and now is wanting in our hearts still at times. But I'm gonna give us four observations. Now for some of you, you're looking at verse 11 and really the first thing you might need to do is go back to verse one and, and cry out to the Lord. Maybe you need to go back to verse seven and ask God the questions that you've never been willing to ask. But, but let's move on to verse 11 and four observations through the back half of Psalm 11 through 20. And I wanna go back to that question that I asked right before we read this Psalm is what changed in Asaph? Was it his circumstances? Doesn't appear like his circumstances changed. But I think what changes is Asaph is gonna take the focus off of himself and he's gonna turn it towards God. Notice, if you look at the first 10 verses of Psalm 77, you're gonna see this. You're gonna see all, just highlights. Just, you're gonna see a lot of I's and me's and my's. It's gonna be about 20 or 21 instances where Asaph is focused on himself and his circumstances. But when you look at the last 10 verses, you're gonna see 25 instances of God, you, your, Lord. And I think that's instructive. I think one of the first observations I make when I read this Psalm is the pivot point, the change is when Asaph takes his eyes off of himself and he puts them on the Lord. Something changes in that moment. Jeremiah did it too in one of your great chapters, in, in, in one of the great chapters, a book called Lamentations, right? It's as if God knew we would face these moments. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah, the, 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 these famous songs, great is thy faithfulness, Lord. We, we love some of those verses in Lamentations 3, but have you read some of the first 20 verses? 
Jeremiah, in, in, in verse 16, he says, he's made my teeth grind on gravel. Verse 17, my soul is bereft of peace. This is Lamentations 3. I've forgotten what happiness is. This is faithful, Jeremiah, going, where are you, Lord? I've lost my will to live, and I, I think it's you. I say, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Faithful Jeremiah. But then he takes his eyes off himself. In verse 21, he says, but I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I know who you are, God. In a moment, it begins to change what's happening in his heart. We gotta learn to take ourselves, our eyes off ourselves and begin to keep putting them on God. And then we got to remember the former mercies. That's the second thing is what we've been talking about. Remember God's former mercies. Back to Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. We go back to, what did Josh talk about last week? Those God sightings, Right? We've got to go back to the God sightings in our life. These, these moments where God showed up in big ways, maybe small ways, and we got to log them. We got to celebrate them. Look, I'm telling you, the faithful have to have a good memory. We have to have a good memory. We've got to remember all that the Lord has done in our life. And that's what Asaph is doing here. She's like, I've got to go back and remember. And you go back as far back as you need to in order to remind yourself of the scent of God's goodness in your life. Asaph goes back, get this, 400 to 500 years. He goes back past Exodus 34 and he goes all the way to the Exodus event earlier in that book. And he remembers the mighty right hand of the Lord and what the Lord has accomplished like a good hunting dog, Asaph. He's like, I've lost the sin, I've lost the sin. So he doubles back until he finds it again. And then once he picks it up, it's like he double times it the rest of the time through Psalm 77, as if to say, I'm not gonna lose this sin again. We, the faithful, have to have a good memory and begin to remember God's mercies in our life. And then number three, third observation, is Asaph praises God amidst the pain, amidst the tears, amidst the exhaustion, amidst the unresolved, unmet expectations. We have no evidence that anything has changed in the circumstances of Asaph. And yet look at the praise that flows out of his mouth. Verse 13, your way, oh God, it's holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works present day, present tense, wonders. Hop down to verse 16. He like gives us new ways to even like look at the Exodus event. The, when the water saw you, they, they were afraid. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the world. I mean, this is majestic praise flowing out of God. Yet, he's still in his pain, but he's remembering who the Lord is. And he's finding those things as he takes his eyes off himself to find things to praise about who God is. The way to trust God's character and his future promises is to remember the former mercies that the Lord has done. And so if you've lost the scent, go back and remember those former mercies. And then number four, he gains peace while in the unknown and the unresolved. Your way was through the sea, verse 19. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints, they were unseen. We couldn't see it. Yet you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. It's like, Lord, we couldn't totally see you. But we knew you were up to something. And then the psalm kind of ends abruptly. 
It's like this moment that Asaph, as he's kind of walked through the questions and he's asked him and he scraped the bottom of the barrel of his pain. He gets to a place of like, Lord, I'll trust you. Your footprints are, they're unseen right now, but I know you lead us. And I'm gonna go forward and I'm gonna trust. And it spurs me on. I look, I, I do, I pray, I pray often for our body. I pray that we get mountaintop moments. I pray we get mountaintop views. But I'm also reminded there was, a, there was a Billy Graham quote one time that he just said, look, mountaintop views, they make for great scenery. But he's like, you know, the good stuff, the, the fruit that grows in the valley. And so a lot of times, yes, we want these great moments where we get to see these glorious things. And yet a lot of times what we really want is that inner man to be renewed and to be spurred on and to be strengthened for the days that are ahead. A lot of times that comes through the affliction that comes our way. And when we turn back to the Lord and cry out to him and hold on to him amidst the pain and the sorrow and the grief, all the while asking our questions and all the while remembering to what he has still done for us. And so when you're in the valley, look for the good stuff. Maybe what the Lord is doing that's visible and then also what the Lord's doing maybe invisibly in here. And we hold on to these deep truths that we don't always understand what's happening. We can look back to one of the darkest nights or the darkest night in the history of mankind when Christ is dying on the cross for the sins of mankind. And yet, that moment and what followed would have become the greatest thing in the history of mankind for our sake. And I'm like, this your way's unseen, Lord. I don't understand it. I wouldn't have scripted it that way. But I see what you're up to. I see your character on display. And so when you tell me through Paul in 2 Corinthians to not lose heart, I'm gonna try. Amidst all my questions and all my fears and all my tears, I'm gonna try. And when you tell me that though the outer man decays, though, though, though the world may fall, pass away, and that, that afflictions will keep coming at us time and time again. But you tell me, you promise me that they are preparing for me and us an eternal glory that's beyond comparison to what we're going through now. I, I will trust in that promise. I will remember your character revealed all throughout time, most significantly on the cross with my sin on your shoulders, Christ. And I will trust there's something great happening in the future and I will hold on. And one of the ways that I do that is by remembering these former mercies that you've produced in my life. And I will celebrate those all the while waiting for new things to come. City Bridge, that's faithful lament. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying you have to fake it. Ask your questions and then remember what he's done for you and for me. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.